When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wednesday, September 21st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, safe to say that the Guardians picked up their biggest win of the season uh, early this morning, late last night, uh, in the, the wee hours in Chicago, uh, an 11-inning, 10-7 victory that gave them the head-to-head series uh, uh, win for the season against the White Sox and cut their magic number to clinch the AL Central Championship down to nine. Yeah, Joe, it was just a wild game. You know, first of all, it was delayed by 40 minutes by uh, rain. Then, uh, you know, there's a miss miss call at, at the plate in, in the sixth inning, which probably could have ended this thing without going to extra innings. And then, uh, you know, a five-run 11th inning by the Guardians, and it still almost wasn't enough because the, the White Sox scored two in the bottom of the 11th. Just a, a crazy back-and-forth game, uh, but a well-deserved win uh, by the Guardians. And they've they've got that extra inning magic, Joe. They are now 12-4 and four in extra innings this season. Yeah, this is uh, we've been saying it all along, the team that won't quit, the team that keeps playing, and they've embodied that throughout the season. Uh, the the youngest ball club in in the majors, and they they just don't know what they don't know. They don't know that they're in the thick of this, and and what to you know what to sort of be afraid of it at times. They're fearless. They go out there and 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 perform. Uh, they've won 13 of their last 16, uh, and they hold their largest lead in the American League Central Division uh, of five games now uh, over. The, the White Sox, essentially six games because you've got that head-to-head uh, tiebreaker. They're, they're 61 and 20 when they score first, uh, and, and uh, they're 41 and 35 on the road this season. Uh, they love playing uh, games at, uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field. Josh Naylor loves playing games at, at Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, we saw a, a little bit of his, uh, uh, you know, a throwback to his, May 9th game uh, there when he came up in the 10th and and gave them the lead with a, an RBI single. Yeah, just, uh, you know, we almost saw the uh, the incredible bulk uh, break loose there. <clears throat> Shouting from the dugout, you know, into the dugout, and uh, they, they pitch ran for him, but I don't think it looked for a while like he didn't want to leave the field. He was kind of going back and forth between the dugout and first base, and uh, this guy is hitting at 336 against the White Sox this year, Joe, with three homers and 17 RBIs. And, you know, number 17 came last night uh, in that uh, two-run 10th inning. And you would thought you would have thought that was en- would have been enough to, uh, to uh, give them the win. But uh, Elvis Andrus is the man that uh, owns Cleveland's heart and soul. And it doesn't matter if they're named the Indians or Guardians. This guy is, 
he will not. He, he almost did not. He almost refused to let the White Sox lose last night. Well, Josh Naylor uh, sort of likes giving it back and forth with the the fans there at uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field because when he did come off the field from that uh, for that pinch runner, uh, he had a he had an exchange with them, another uh, another shouting match back and forth, and uh, he's sort of letting that emotion uh, emotion and, and personality out. We didn't expect to see Emmanuel Class A out there uh, essentially blowing his thirty uh, his uh, suffering his fir- uh, fourth blown save of the season uh but again you start with that extra runner on second base and when you don't make the first play on a a ground ball in front of the mound uh you know things can get harder from there yeah uh definitely uh that was uh class A's, like you said fourth blown save but class joe class a has has pitched in a major league leading 69 games. He's finished a major league leading 61 games. I mean, this guy's been writ- really <laughs> written hard. And, uh, you know, I think you- you're going to see a lapse now and then, but, uh, you know, he backed into the win. Uh, his teammates got him the win with the, you know, the, the five run inning in the, in the uh, 12th. And uh, just, um, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> it was just, I, I just think it was a sign of the, how competitive that game was last night, that they could come back, uh, the White Sox, and, and tie the score against uh, Class A, you know, the, probably the best closer in baseball. Yeah, they put up two in the 10th, uh, and then the, the White Sox matched that with, uh, like you said, Elvis Andrus, uh, the, the RBIs there. Uh, and then, uh, so they come out in the 11th, and they put up five, and it was Miles Straw. Uh, extending his hitting streak to 10 games, uh, the 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 double down the left field line. Uh, Miles Straw told us that he's been looking to be more aggressive in the strike zone and looking to pull the ball more, and he did exactly that uh, in the 11th uh, against Jake Diekman, who just had a complete meltdown on the mound uh, against Cleveland uh, for Chicago. Uh, five runs there, and and really they they continued to add on after Straw's uh, tie-breaking double. It was, uh, you know, the you could see the air the the air go out of Chicago's sails. Uh, Med Rosario, uh, you know, gets to third base, and they 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 uh, the the steal, and and they they throw the ball away. Uh, he comes home. It was, uh, you know, one thing after another. We'll we'll get to the uh, to the to the you know, no replay uh, slide at home plate. But, uh, you know, Ahmed Rosario in that instance really just sort of, you know, took the the heart right out of the the uh, the, the White Sox because uh, Yaw Moncada didn't even, didn't even step to third base to cover the bag. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that was a crazy inning, Joe. I mean, with that runner on second base, I mean, it turns baseball into a pinball machine. I mean, you know, it's like nothing, all the, you know, the old standards of the game are out the window because almost anything can happen. And we saw that, you know, in the 10th and 11th innings, it's just like like the wild, wild West, you know, everything, it just, you know, like they stole, I think they stole uh, the, the Cleveland stole three bases in the sec in the, in the, in the 11th inning. Uh, you know, there's wild pitches, and what I liked was kind of the reconnection between uh, Straw and and uh, Quan. You know, the number nine and the number one hitter. You know, uh, Straw gets the the big two run double, and then and then Quan also him home with his fourth fourth hit of the night. Right. Yeah, I wanted to mention Stephen Quan. Uh, he has 
four straight multi-hit games, and he's batting 524 with a double, a triple, and three RBIs in that stretch. Uh, 11 for 21 is 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 Quan. Uh, you know, as hot as Ahmed Rosario was over the weekend, Quan's kept it going over. Uh, you know, into this series with Chicago. Uh, he's, he scored six runs. He's, he's making the top of that order go. And like you said, when, when straw is able to connect the bottom of that order, uh, back up to the top with Quan, uh, the, this offense actually, you know, the, it's that death by a thousand paper cuts sort of, uh, uh, approach, but it, it works. They don't hit the ball out of the yard, but you know, they, they do hit the ball. Yeah, they just kind of wear you out. It's just like it's it's like that Bugs Bunny, uh, that old Bugs Bunny cartoon when the guys are just the, the conga line around the around the bases never stops. These guys, uh, they just keep running the bases. They keep getting you know little singles, a double here, a triple there, and uh, the offense just never stops. When when they get rolling, they are a hard team uh, to contain, Joe. Yeah, up until that eleventh uh, inning, though, pretty much the story of the ball game. Uh, would be the uh, the sixth inning, the the no call or I'm sorry the the missed call at home plate. Uh, that was Shane Livensparger, the home plate umpire who had uh, you know a, a rough night in terms of the strike zone. I think I think Dylan Cease would have uh, uh, some some creative ways to explain his calls there uh, up until that point, but. On a on a base hit by Josh Naylor, uh, Ahmed Rosario comes around third and, and keeps going. And, you know, the throw from Elvis Andrus uh, from the short left field uh, gets there. But by according to video replay uh, and every look that we had at it, uh, you know, Ahmed Rosario was was safe by a mile. Livensparger just flat out blew the call, uh, made a bad call, called him out at the plate. Uh, Terry Francona came out to argue, but couldn't challenge because earlier uh, in the inning before he had uh, lost his challenge on a, uh, a stolen base attempt by the White Sox where he challenged and uh, and they said that Ahmed Rosario's swipe tag didn't touch Elvis Andrus on the foot. So I, I, I guess that was pretty much a was it more of a failure by Livensparger or uh, is it a failure in a, on, on the whole? of the, the replay system that, uh, you know, Tito had no recourse for an obvious missed call. Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, the rules say what, you get one challenge. If you win that challenge, you, you can continue to keep that challenge. Uh, but once you get into the eighth inning, you know, the umpire, the crew chief has his, the discretion to review a call. So my, my, thinking is what's the difference between the seventh and the eighth inning you know the the, the call took place in the seventh inning the missed call and mm-hmm. so you're, you're you're letting a game be decided by one inning I mean is that going to really lengthen this game that much you know if you, if you got to go to review it just seems like a weird uh, you know demarcation point between the seventh and eighth inning did, did Tito really have any thoughts on it or any any you know conversation about his inability to challenge in that situation or his inability to ask ask the umpires to get together and say hey we might have missed this call uh let's check it out to be sure yeah he said you know you know um he said we just didn't have a challenge you know i think uh you know it it said he said it would have been really a tough way to 
if it had turned out different, if if they had lost the game because of that call, he said, I wasn't going to get any sleep, and I hope the umpire wasn't going to get any sleep. He, th- he said, uh, I thought uh, um, the umpire is a, is a conscientious guy, but, you know, that was just a bad, bad way, a bad, a tough call and a, and a tough thing to live with if, it, if, you know, the White Sox had won that game. But he said, fortunately, it, it didn't come into play. Yeah, you know, uh, we we go back to over the season. We we've seen some tough calls, some some missed calls, and some weird, questionable calls. Uh, the one that stands out the most is the the blocking the plate call uh, against uh, um, Austin Hedges earlier in the year. Uh, we, you know, if we go back and and look at it, one thing that Hedges said after that was that the the umpires don't have any sort of accountability. Or they don't they're they're not held to the the same kind of standards that the players and the coaches are. Um, one thing that the NBA does is they release uh, for every game they release a last two minutes report, and they review every call or no call, and uh, you know they they say whether it was correct or not, and and they basically hold the officials accountable for missed calls. I, I think. Uh, you know, maybe if, uh, you know, a, a game report released on big plays like that uh, for Major League umpires could be something that that would be helpful. I mean, everybody who watched that game, everybody who sees replays of it uh, is going to know that Shane Livensparger blew that call. He's going to know it. And maybe it forces the, uh, umpires to do better and 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 holds them a little more accountable. Yeah, you know, I think uh, they they do get graded. The umpires, uh, you know, I I don't know if they're reprimanded or they're fined or you know what whatever the uh, you know Major League Baseball does, uh, you know, to uh, after a bad call, uh, you know, and uh, but uh, this one, <laughs> you know, a replay was put in baseball to protect to protect the umpires to to. Get the game right, first of all, but to, you know, save the umpires from a Jim Joyce call, you know, on, on the perf- from the perfect game against the Tigers, you know, when uh, uh, Armando Galarraga, you know, got, or I think it was, what was it, yeah. Armando mm-hmm. Galarraga, yeah. yeah, was, you know, denied that perfect game against the Indian against the Indians in Detroit. That's why, that's one of the reasons replay was put in, and, you know, you the umpires, you know, they they work hard. They they they're trying to do the best job they can. Mistakes happen, but that's why you have replay to get them off the hook, so to speak. And it's a learning tool as well. But just to say that you have one challenge for the first seven innings, and uh, and if you run out, if you if you challenge the wrong call and you miss it, you're done. It just seems weird to me. It just seems like strange. I mean, what usually a challenge takes like two minutes, you know, a minute, two minutes, I mean, and add to the game time. But I don't know. That was just so, it was a strange play. And so maybe the, it worked out for, for Cleveland. Maybe the solution here is to expand that ability to go to a crew chief review uh, to, you know, to the entire game. Maybe the, the, the solution here would be, hey, I'm going to get together with the other three guys on the field and one of them might have seen something and one of them might be able to tell me, hey, it's probably a good idea to take a look at this play because I think you might have missed it just from, you know, from my perspective. That that happens all the time with officials when they get together to conference to try and get the, the call right. I know from experience as a as a high school basketball official, 
you know, when when you've got a call and you're not 100 percent sure about it, you want that uh, assurance from your 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 crew that you're working with uh, to come to you and say, hey, you know, I might have seen something different. Are you 100 percent sure about this call? Uh, I can't imagine that in the moment, Livensparger, as soon as Tito came out there, was adamant about, you know, how right that call was. I mean, he was looking right at it. And it was so obvious that that uh, Ahmed Rosario's hand was was under the tag and on the plate before the ball got there. Uh, I just I, I you know, I kind of feel bad for him if he if he didn't think that at the moment, because, you know, if if he's sort of hamstrung by it and he's you know, hey, Tito, there's nothing more I can do. Uh, I've got to live with the call that I made. But if somebody comes to me and tells me that they saw something different or, you know, replay reverses it, I'm fine with that. You know, if that's the approach, I'm I'm good with it. But if it's, you know, if it's blindly looking at it and saying, no, I got that call right, then uh, then Livensparger should should not be working in any important games anywhere near the future. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Joe. And I think that's that's probably what he told Francona. I'm, I'm, I bet that's, you know, he said, hey, I may have missed that call because Francona didn't argue. You know, he was out there for a couple minutes and that was about it. I mean, that's usually a call where you, where you get ejected if you're the manager. So I think something had to, he, he had to say something. But, you know, that the rules are the rules and they couldn't reap, they couldn't challenge it. Yeah, and just judging from Tito's body language as he was out there, it's like, he might have said, hey, I missed that call. And Tito might have said, well, that's a call you can't miss. You know, that that's going to cost yeah. us the game. So, uh, you know, just just trying to put words into people's mouths, I guess, uh, in that situation. Hey, that's one you can't miss. Try and, try and do better. Um, we, we hear that so often. Uh, so the result of this whole thing, uh, you know, and uh, oh, wait, we got to go back. I'm sorry. I got to mention Aaron, Aaron Savali. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that that's completely overlooking uh, pretty much one of the most important performances of the season uh, and completely unexpected. I was man going into this game. I was thinking if they get three, maybe four innings out of Aaron Savali, they're lucky. Uh, Aaron Savali went out there and, uh, you know, what? He threw 69 pitches, 40 for strikes, uh, you know, just really got them into a position to win the ball game. Uh, he left in the uh, sixth inning, uh, you know, started the sixth, went out there. Uh, what, what did you think about the decision to let him go out there for the sixth? Well, you know, he had only thrown, like you said, six. He was at, he, he finished with 69 pitches. The the limit they, they wanted to put him, they, they, they were thinking 70 to 80 pitches. You know, he had he had five scoreless innings. He really hadn't been in that much trouble. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they wanted to see if he could get out, you know, get get in, uh, you know, with at the top of the lineup. But it didn't work, you know, obviously. You know, and then he walks a Mankata. But I, overall, Joe, I, I agree with you. I mean, that was a, that was really a strong performance by Savali. And it bodes well, uh, you know, for the, the, going down the stretch here. It looks like, you know, you get Savali back in the rotation. You know, police act through a 45 pitch uh, simulated game yesterday for Columbus. You know, I would think he's pretty close to getting back in the rotation. So you're going to be, you know, th- they have a possibility of being in full strength in the next week or so. Yeah, that would be the goal, I guess, going down the stretch is to get everybody back to, to full strength and, and fully healthy uh, for, you know, whatever potential playoff matchups there are. Um, yeah, four hits. 
Only allowed the two earned runs. Those were guys left on base when he exited in the sixth. Only walked one, struck out a pair. But what he really did was he let the White Sox get themselves out. Uh, you know, his his approach wasn't Dylan Cease throwing 96 and missing the zone. His, his approach was throw off speed, throw junk, make them uh, expand their zone and, you know, top the ball. How many ground ball outs did he have from... Uh, Ahmed Rosario and Jose Ramirez in that game. Uh, he really, you know, played to his strength, and that was letting the White Sox put the ball in play and and basically get themselves out. Yeah, ten ground ball outs in five innings. Uh, just did a great job. And he he said after the game that you know he he started the game last year that in which uh, the the White Sox clinched. So that was a little extra motivation for him last night and. He certainly pitched well, Joe. He was he he was fun to watch, and he looks healthy, and hopefully he can stay in that rotation now. Yeah, that that uh, that was it was great to even more than uh, you know how good it was to see the the Guardians win, just to see Savali back and had that smile on his face was was pretty important too. Uh, so let, let's let, let's have a conversation about magic numbers now because there's confusion out there, and I don't want there to be confusion. Uh, we, we have the magic number listed at nine, but if you go through and, uh, figure the magic number by the traditional way, uh, you take 163, you subtract guardians wins, and then you subtract white Sox losses. Uh, really the, the magic number, uh, should be by, you know, by strict definition at 10, but because there's no 163rd game this year, because they go to that tiebreaker scenario to decide who gets the uh, the playoff spot if they're tied at the end of 162 games. Uh, because of that, essentially, Cleveland holds all the cards in the division. They hold all the cards against the Twins. They hold all the cards against the White Sox now because in both of those, they, they've won the season series. And that means that the White Sox have to finish a full game better than them in order to take the, the spot. Now, if they both finish with identical records at the end of 162 games, I guess they're division co-champions, but the the playoff spot is the most important thing, and that goes to the Guardians. Exactly. Yeah, they that is uh, that's the way it stands. Um, you know, they lead the season series ten to seven, um, and uh, you know it, it's going to be really interesting to see how the the White Sox come out tonight because um, last night that was a tough tough loss. I mean, you could tell they put it all on the line, and it just they just weren't good enough to beat Cleveland. And uh, there was a big, big win by the the Guardians. And uh, you know, going down the stretch, that's that's those are the kind of wins you need to you you have to have. You know, Miles Straw said that was a playoff game last night, and uh, mm-hmm. those are the kind of games you have to win. Yeah, this is the way the 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 way that the Guardians are playing right now. Probably their best baseball, uh, you know, of the year in in a, in a stretch uh, since you know the the games against Minnesota and now in Chicago, uh, it's coming together at the right time. You just don't want them to peak too early. Uh, you know, you harken back to that 2017 team that that played so well down the stretch, and then you know once the playoffs, once the postseason started, they uh, you know they struggled a bit with the Yankees and and couldn't put them away at the end. Uh, you know, that's that's a little further off down the road yet. They've still got 14 games remaining. But in those 14 games, uh, they, they pretty much just have to play a little bit over 500 ball and 
and they'll be in in the postseason. Uh, they the earliest they can clinch uh, if they they win out, and if Chicago loses on uh, Friday and Saturday against Detroit, the earliest possible clinch date would be Sunday in Texas. That's the that's a possibility. And it's not likely that they they just you know go on a roll and and win every game from here to to Sunday, but. You know, it's there's a possibility it, it, it could happen. You, Hoinsey, you could be coming home uh, soaked in champagne on uh, on Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, I should have brought my windbreaker or my or something, my goggles. I didn't bring goggles, Joe. I'll have to buy some or swim fins or something. <laughs> the, the the ski goggles that all the players like to wear to protect their eyes. Yeah, because uh, make no mistake, uh, Paul Hoynes will be a target in that locker room if. Uh, if they're celebrating, he will uh, he will yeah. definitely get get sprayed down. Uh, I tonight... work the edges in those things, Joe. <laughs> I, I, I am not a I, I don't get in the middle of it. <laughs> All right, um, and let's uh, look ahead real quick to um, uh, Chris, Tristan McKenzie tonight versus Lance Lynn. Uh, obviously, uh, Lynn, a guy who's given the Guardians a lot of trouble. Uh, in his last couple of starts, but uh, uh, nonetheless, a guy that they can beat. Yeah, they beat him once this year uh, in his first start back. He's pitched very, very well against them in his next two starts. Uh, this will be the fourth time he, they face Lynn. You know, he's an old-fashioned uh, fastball pitcher. Here it is, hit it. And, uh, you know, so far, the last two times out, the Guardians haven't done a good job against them. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And Tristan McKenzie, you know, <laughs> just one of the strangest seasons by a pitcher I've seen, Joe. When he, what, when he got, doesn't give up a home run, he's at, what, 11-0, 10-0, some crazy number like that. But it's almost just the opposite when he when he doesn't keep the ball in the park. Um, but, you know, if, if, he, if, if he can ever harness that, Joe, how, how good do you think McKenzie can be? Uh, he's a frontline starter uh, if, you know, <laughs> God forbid uh, Shane Bieber decides to to walk in in a couple of seasons here. Uh, they they've got their guy to to take his place in, in Tristan McKenzie if he continues on the trajectory that that he's on. Uh, it, it's just a matter of cleaning a few, a few little things up, like you said, pe- keeping that ball in the park is is essential uh, for McKenzie. I, the bat the the opponent batting average is ridiculous. It's either they hit a home run or they they're they're just you know not getting on base against him. That's uh, you know it's not like he gives up a ton of traffic on the bases. He just uh, he just has trouble not giving up home runs. Yeah, you know it's it's a lot like Cease. Cease went into the game last night with only 113 hits in the, in almost 170 innings. I mean, how do you beat a guy like that? Yeah. Well, you know, obviously he has some control problems, but you know Tristan, we've seen him conquer the walks. And uh, we, I think he'll be able to, you know, find a way to keep the ball in the yard. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll uh, look for your reports from uh, the ballpark tonight. And we'll uh, talk to you again tomorrow here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast.